Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D T dot com slash thrive. Welcome everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. Our guest today is Rose Taylor. She is partner and founder at Red Bud Advisors. We're going to talk about what it takes to properly account for a cannabis business and all the kind of ins and outs. Because anyone that's been in cannabis a little bit knows that it gets a little complicated, mostly because we're still federally illegal, which creates all these kind of funny cascading issues for cannabis and how we account for and how we handle taxes and the federal tax code comes into play and it gets a little complicated. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Oklahoma market and what's going on there, a really fascinating market in the cannabis industry. And Rose is familiar with that one. So we're going to chat about that and just generally learn a little bit what's going on in cannabis. So excited for this. Uh, with that, Rose, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, <laughs> so before we kind of dive into what's going on in Oklahoma and 280E and all the kind of tax issues, I'd love to get a sense of your background. How did you get, how did you get into accounting? How did you get in cannabis? Give us the backstory. Sure. Gosh, I, uh, I like to think of myself as a accidental accountant. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, that wasn't my intent, you know. I went to school for a business, and but I found out very quickly after that I had a. I picked up accounting easily, and so um, 
I got into that and I worked through every single level of an accounting department, you know, worked my way up to a controller at a publicly traded company and just, uh, you know, did all that. I I figured it out. And then, of course, I got into tax. That's a whole different beast than accounting. And um, I'm originally from Southern California. I have family in the cannabis industry up in Northern California. And so having done accounting and tax for 15 some years, when Oklahoma got into that market, I was already aware of the nuances that the industry faced. Yeah. And so as soon as it passed there, then I launched Redbud Advisors. And that's how, you know, I, I got into that's how I got into cannabis. <laughs> and it's been a wild ride. <laughs> yeah. And what I mean, I guess coming out of you know publicly traded company, like what were the things that you could kind of directly apply to cannabis. What were the things that didn't apply so well? What were the things that you were like, oh my gosh, this is not, this is a whole well, different world. <laughs> you know, the the great thing about having gone through an IPO with a public company is you learn very strict accounting guidelines. <laughs> yeah. And you learn about, you know, I, I, this was the company I worked for was a manufacturer. So of course, manufacturing, we do accrual-based cost accounting. And so Mm -hmm. I have a pretty solid background in that. And that's exactly what you need in cannabis too. I was experienced with working with auditors. So I can kind of tell you, you know, with our clients, we look at everything from an audit down. You know, we want to put our clients in the best position for an audit so they could walk away with, you know, little damage. So I think, you know, coming from a large publicly traded company and then working with lots of smaller businesses, it gives me a pretty diverse background for accounting. Oh. Uh, yeah. And what, and as you got into cannabis, what were the things that you realized you needed to kind of learn or understand, or was different than, than dealing with kind of other industries? Yeah. <laughs> you're dealing, your work. Uh, okay. Patience is a big one. And <laughs> uh, because I love it. Yeah. You're, you're dealing with, and this is no, not, not I worked, I have clients just outside of Oklahoma too. So, uh, you know, I, I look got at it. California cause that's a mature market, but they still have lots of problems too. So one of the challenges I've learned very quickly is, okay, you're dealing with business owners that are coming from a legacy market. You're sometimes dealing with business owners that have never been in business before, or you're also dealing with some very savvy, experienced business owners. So it kind of runs, you know, uh, the gamut and just kind of being patient and, and realizing what those business owners need. Some need a little bit more reassurance, some handholding, walking them through, okay, this is what we need and this is why we need it. I know you're not used to keeping track of everything, but now I'm going to ask you to write everything down, yeah. <laughs> you know, and keep every receipt. So there's definitely been some challenges in that aspect. Yeah. It seems that some of this stuff is almost antithetical, right? I mean, they're so used to keeping things undercover is, you know, off the books, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not actually having documentation for risk mm-hmm. purposes. Now, now it's like complete 180. And, and yeah. And so now I'm asking them, well, no, we need you to keep a cash log and I need you to tell me how much cash you have on hand at the end of the month. And <laughs> yeah. so, uh, you know, whenever we're, if I'm interviewing anybody um, to come work for Redbud, I always say you have to have a lot of patience. And, uh, you, you know, we really want to put ourselves in their shoes as uh, business owners, too. Yeah. Yeah. Other than kind of the shift in kind of thinking, like, what tends to be kind of how you're helping cannabis companies? Like, what's the, you know, what, what's the need that kind of precipitates them contacting you and, and establishing sure. a relationship? Well, I mean, obviously, 280E is a big 
hurdle. And if anyone's not familiar with that, that is like the the teeniest tiny tax code (laughs) (laughs) that they slid in there in the 80s that said, you know, no deduction or credit. And so we cost a good soul by definition is not a deduction or credit. It's a uh, reduction of income. And so we want to work with our cannabis business owners. We want to work with them to maximize those deductions as much as we legally can. And um, sometimes there's a lot of gray area too. We like look at your license fee, for example, you know, that varies by state, but it's required to grow cannabis. And so I look at that as a cost of goods sold, something that would be technically deductible. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean, but there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of things that sometimes we have to talk through. Maybe, maybe the way they're doing it is not technically deductible, but we can look at economics or strategy of how we can make it deductible. I'm I'm curious about that one. Are there any good examples of how by, you know, changing your business process or how you're kind of organizing something, you can shift it from kind of in this non-deductible category to deductible category? Yeah, um, actually a good example is um, costs of delivery. So Hmm. let's say now typically delivery costs, let's say your, you know, your auto or fuel mileage, things like that, you know, when you're when you are selling that, that's kind of where it crosses into a trafficking type uh, expenditure. Okay. And I don't like to use the word trafficking, but that's what the IRS calls it. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. So that's when, when, when anything you, you move into selling type expenses, that's where it technically becomes not cost of goods sold. So <laughs> one thing that we, you know, have done before is we've encouraged our clients to add a delivery fee onto their invoice. So then you're collecting income for that delivery. And so you have a separate, like if you're looking at your income statement, then you have flower income and then you have delivery income. And when you have income, you're allowed to offset costs associated with that income. So, so then we're able to, okay, I see you have delivery income. Now we have delivery expenses. That is part of cost of goods sold. So that's a, that's just, that's strategy. Now, then I hear the thing, well, the, this is the, the counter argument is, well, I don't want to charge a delivery fee. My customers don't want to pay that, blah, blah, blah. Well, then I say, well, if you're selling a pound for, I don't know, 2,500, maybe you, on your invoice, you sell it for 2,300 and then you add a delivery fee of 200. Yeah. You know, there's, there's strategies and, and that's why we really, you know, we encourage people to work with accountants that are versed in this industry because it changes often. The goalpost is always moving and we want to be able to strategize as much as we legally can. Yeah. And how much of this is, I mean, I guess are there areas of this that it, it should work, but the cases haven't been kind of really pressed yet or tried yet. And I mean, like, mm. where, like where is this, where, where are we certain that these things work? Where are we, these right. should work, but it hasn't been tested in areas that are, right. I don't know if there's stuff in the courts right now that people are looking at, but how's this uh, playing out? There's a lot of court cases, you know, in the past 25 years that tells us exactly what doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's <laughs> um, all you can. You, you can't. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's why we look at it. We want to take everything from an audit down. I want to be able to, you know, defend our client if we need to. And there are certain areas where we can advise our clients on the pros and cons. But at the end of the day, if it hasn't been tried in a tax court, we don't know. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of where you want to ask your accountant and, you know, yourself too, what's what's your risk tolerance and what's your accountant's risk tolerance? If you do want to take a more aggressive strategy, you know, 
we recommend you have a, a tax attorney on your side too. <laughs> yeah. And it, whatever money that you're saving on these, you know, additional tax that you're not paying, maybe, you know, keep it. Put it aside. Put it aside. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, that's just one, you know, one thing, one of the COVID and everything, there's been a yeah. lot of credits that, you know, cannabis businesses weren't eligible for, but there's one that, you know, I think that they would be eligible for. And that's the um, employee retention credit. Um, so, and with that, you know, that's just, that's just a credit back on wages that you've paid your employees. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of different ways you can look at it. People say, well, 280 is no deduction or credit, but I look at that. That's a payroll credit. That's not an income tax credit. Interesting. So huh. there is a lot of <laughs> working in cannabis is, is a challenge. And, you know, I, I love a good challenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's kind of the it's a bit of a game, right? It's mm-hmm. a bit of like understanding the rules, figuring out where you've got some wiggle room, you know, where things are clear cut, you know, understanding what what kind of techniques or risk you want to take. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. As you work with the different sort of facets of the cannabis industry, wh- how does how does how do these sort of questions start to change? I mean, if you're a cultivator versus a processor for versus a dispensary, like what are the big levers that you have or don't have based on where you are in the kind of grow chain? Right. Well, you know, cultivators and processors, they definitely are not hit as hard by 280E as um, retail is. Yeah. Just simply because the majority of their expenses that they're incurring are costs of goods sold. Yeah. You know, everything that you need to create that finished product is technically part of COGS. Whereas on the retail or dispensary side, you're you have a lot of overhead that is all selling expenses, unfortunately. So, you know, you're a lot of times dispensaries have big marketing budgets. They have weed maps and leafly and all these you know, monthly expenses that are not part of cost of goods sold, no matter which, no matter how you look at it. <laughs> yeah. And then you could go so far as say, well, you have all your, your, your labor, your bud tenders, their job is selling, you know, you could get more strategic and say, well, their some of their job is spent on counting inv- inventory or dealing with vendors and things like that. And that's how we could maybe slip some of their salary and payroll taxes into cost of goods sold, but it's, you know, it's a lot tougher. So I think when you're going in the retail route, you want to make sure that you set up your entity correctly and you know, you're working with a, a cannabis accountant. <laughs> yep. We want to minimize the the 280 footprint, I will say. Got it. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice way of putting it. What are some of the other things that come up for cannabis companies, you know, not necessarily, you know, 280 related, but th- things that companies either typically get wrong or missed opportunities, things that are difficult to kind of undo or restructure? Like, what do you run into? Um, One I've ran into recently, this was actually a West Coast, where they were, the way their entity was structured, they were taking W-2 salary and they, and technically you're not supposed to on that type of entity. Um, So just kind of uh, from a more strategic standpoint like you want to make sure from the get-go everything is set up correctly yeah (laughs) the other thing we run into is of course companies paying too much tax or too little tax and neither one of those things is a good thing yeah when they're i've had one that their accountant didn't know anything about cannabis and they were just deducting everything like any like a normal business Mm -hmm. and you know at that point you know my due diligence is say okay this is wrong and do you want to correct it (laughs) yeah like what do you want to do about it 
And then uh, on the other, on the flip side is I've had people that have come and, you know, they've onboarded with us and we always like to look at their past two years tax returns. And I say, well, you've complete, they've completely missed out on all these indirect expenses mm-hmm. and overpaying their taxes. So that's something that we, you know, we can help there. We, we, we want to go back and amend that and try to pick up some of those expenses. But, you know, the way the, the Internal Revenue Code is written is that in order to get those indirect expenses into cost of goods sold, you have to be creating reoccurring financial statements. So that's not something that we can do at the end of the year. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're a lot of small businesses. You can go to your accountant and give them your income and your receipts and they can button it all up, and make it beautiful. And manufacturing businesses, accrual based accounting, we need to be creating those financial statements every single month. Yeah. And, you know, I always we, we say which we, we call it we call it cost of goods sold. But that means that nothing is considered a cost until it's sold. So meaning like, this is the whole just because you have received money for something doesn't necessarily mean it's sold yet until you deliver the whole kind of difference between cat getting the cash versus actually making the sale or, or right. fulfilling and, and the order. That and also like with a cultivator, you're you're still incurring costs every single month, even though you haven't sold any. Yeah. You know, it may take that growth cycle maybe three months. It just depends. So what that means is even though you're still out money, you're still out cash, it's not deductible yet. Got so it. we, it's, it's considered part of your inventory value. That's your value of your plants. You know, you got going on plants your and veg and flower and yeah. So that's where it gets, it's more complex than a simple cash based business. Yeah. Is there any time or size or type of business that's okay to run cash base or like when do you go from cash to accrual? Well, yes, technically the IRS has thresholds of when you can be cash or accrual based, but for cannabis, we always go accrual because it says under 471-11, in order to get those indirect expenses, you need to be doing financial statements that are consistent with GAAP accounting. Got it. And GAAP is generally accepted accounting principles, which is accrual-based accounting. So <laughs> yeah. I try to like when I'm talking to people, I try to keep a high <laughs> level and, you know, we don't want to get too technical. Yeah, but well, like, unfortunately, it's it's a technical domain. I know. I, I start to glaze over sometimes and <laughs> I get it. Yeah. I get it. And so what are, what are some of the types of cannabis businesses you've worked with directly? Where, what parts of it? What sizes? Give me some examples. Yeah, so we work with all, all verticals. I would say the ma- majority is probably cultivators. Okay. But yeah, we have clients that are retail processors. And then, of course, like fully integrated. They have all, all licenses, all verticals. We also work with a lot of ancillary businesses, which you know wasn't really my intent, but it kind of just made sense. So like attorneys that works just with cannabis or um, packaging suppliers. I have a client that just does cannabis packaging. (laughs) Yeah. So that, you know, we're really like fully immersed in the industry. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But for some of these ancillary businesses, I mean, I guess how, I mean, how affected did they get by sort of the cannabis drama? I mean, are you able to kind of keep them reasonably independent or, you know, if um, they start doing... So ancillary businesses and myself included, we, we often have the same banking issues that yeah. cannabis businesses do because we're getting our revenue from cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, fortunately in Oklahoma, you know, in 2018, there was hardly any banks working with us, but, you know, three years later, there's quite a few uh, banking options, but yeah, they, they're affected the same, uh, often the same 
way as cannabis is. There's additional filing requirements if you collect cash, more than $10,000 cash in one transaction. A lot of people forget about that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think it's helpful, though, to work with all, well, all verticals, but then also ancillary businesses, too, because we really are just a, you know, we're a big network and it's it's a it's a close knit community, it seems like. Yeah. I'm curious about the Oklahoma market. I mean, what what have you found that's, you know, similar, different in terms of how the Oklahoma market structured from some of these other, you know, established or, or right. newer cannabis uh, cannabis markets? Well, you know, everyone says Oklahoma's the Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we there was a ballot initiative in 2018. And um, I remember getting out there and voting. It, everyone, a lot of people voted. It passed at 51%. And I think legislators were shocked at that. Yeah. I, I don't think that they anticipated that it would pass. But it did. And here we go. <laughs> yeah. The Oklahoma market is crazy in that the barrier to entry is extremely low. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it costs $2,500 to get a license. There is no cap on licenses. So that creates an interesting market, as you can imagine. Right now, it seems to be a race to the bottom. Meaning, meaning what? Meaning prices are going yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. But you know, th- there are some restrictions on residency, and you know, you got to do some background checks and things like that. But what we're seeing now, there was just okay. So our legislation, just like a lot of other states, it changes often. There was just a um, ruling where you can transfer licenses now. Oh, interesting. So <laughs> interesting, yeah. But we're seeing a lot of acquisitions happening. Yeah. So that's interesting too, from a financial perspective. Um, you, we always tell people like, this is another reason why you want to have financial statements. Like your potential buyer wants to see, mm-hmm. you know, they want to see what your assets are and what your revenues are. And, and net income, it's interesting. Net income doesn't seem to be important right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an, that's an interesting one because I, I'm in, I do a lot of work with other businesses and acquisitions. And, and mm-hmm. one of the challenges, particularly with these privately held, smaller privately held companies is that, you know, owners have maximized the sort of maximized the tax efficiency on these businesses and, and have, you know, essentially set it up. So they're not reporting a whole lot of income for tax purposes, mm-hmm. but then when they go to do acquisition or sale that, you know, mm-hmm. it screws them because now they're not showing income. So now they can't, they can't uh, prove a valuation because they haven't shown income. Well, because they haven't, because they're trying to avoid taxes. So I know, uh, do you see yeah. this same thing in cannabis? I mean, has this been coming up? No, I see in cannabis. I just see crazy valuations. <laughs> yeah. And, and what are the valuations based on just purely based on revenues or based on sales numbers? I think it's based on market share, um, location is a big one. And so that's what I mean by they're not just looking at net revenue. Yeah. I think that people need to really do their due diligence when buying or investing in a cannabis business, really understand what they're getting into. There have been some, like some of our clients have also to say, if you are selling your business, you want to talk with your attorney and your accountant and realize what your tax burden may be well, yeah. for selling that. You know, I've had uh, one client that sold theirs for over $4 million and, you know, their equity in it was definitely not that. So it was a huge gain. <laughs> yeah. Me- meaning so, that, that they, they end up with this massive uh-huh. taxable tax- event that exactly. they've got to figure out what to do it. And if they haven't structured it right, or they haven't put it into some other yeah. business right away, that they end up with a big number on their tax return. Yeah. And so you could be a little bit more strategic, like maybe do an installment sale, like, um, you know, where you get a down payment and then spread that out over 
a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that could spread your spread your gain out over a number of years instead of all in one. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in the in the Oklahoma market right now, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you're a cannabis business, what are some of the things that you would advise them to start thinking about or questions they should ask themselves? You know, you know, both in terms of like, are you just like, are you doing this right? But, oh, you know, are you doing this efficiently? Have you taken advantage of all the opportunities? Have you set this up for future success? Like, what are some of your checklist items when helping businesses? Right. I, You know, one of the most important things I think is getting your entity structured properly from the get go. Okay. A lot of times, you know, we sometimes people think of an, an accountant after the fact or too late mm-hmm. at tax time is a good example. And I'm like, well, okay, I can't, we can't fix what's happened in the past. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I always tell people like, you need to be proactive about this. Work with your accountant and your attorney, make yeah. sure, you know, how everything is structured aligns with your long-term goal and your long-term vision. You know, what's your, what's your revenue projections? These are things that you should know because that determines which kind of route you should go for tax purposes. Now I will say like in some States, it's always going to be more favorable to be a C Corp like California, for example, because the state lets you add back those 280E missed expenses out of the state. Okay. But like Oklahoma doesn't do that, right? At least not right now. So every state is a little bit different, but it depends on your, how your entity is structured. Uh, And also make sure you would, I would recommend, you know, vetting out your partners. (laughs) Really, (laughs) really well. Partnerships partnerships are like a marriage, you know, there's good ones. There's bad ones. I've had bad ones. Yeah. Get in, make sure you, you have an operating agreement. Make sure you have an exit strategy. What happens when you don't yeah. agree on Deadlock. something? Yeah. You know, we've had a, like going back to the Oklahoma market, I've had people, partners not agree, and then they go up to their warehouse and every single plant, light, everything is out of there. Mm-hmm. You know, money changes people. Yeah. And so just that's what I say make vet out your partners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people say, well, Okay. But like for me personally, I'm always hesitant to give up, give up equity, you know, mm-hmm. and one way to vet out a potential partner is maybe do a loan at first, maybe just have them loan money. You pay it back, pay interest. Mm-hmm. If that works out and you guys, you know, you guys like each other, you mesh, maybe then go on to a partnership where they have a vested interest and have equity Yeah, because they, they can get ugly quick. And that is a surefire way to ruin a good brand. Oh yeah. No, what's the, uh, what's the point if you're, <laughs> you know, yeah. I've, I've done a lot of partnership disputes and, and my mm-hmm. role is always to protect the valuation of the company because that's the one thing that takes it on the chin the moment you have partnership disputes. So yeah. Yeah. Good mm-hmm. advice. What uh, anything coming down the pipe? I mean, we've got various kind of, uh, rattlings in federal legislation about changing some of the stuff. We've got the safe banking act. We've got legalization. Like what are the things that you're watching either at the state or at the federal level that could really change the game from an accounting point of view in cannabis companies? You know, we always have our eyes on the federal level for sure. We are, you know, I'm hundred percent for decriminalization. Uh, the safe banking act has passed the house four times already. It, it fails <laughs> yeah. at the Senate, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. But I mean, that's one of those things that, I want everyone to be banked. It's so much safer, even though it costs a little bit more. We've had in a, here in Oklahoma, we've seen a lot of thefts and ex, from external, external reasons. And then also internal. Yeah. 
So yeah, I'm all for safe banking. You know, everyone, no one has a crystal ball. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately not. <laughs> right. But, you know, as long as um, 280E is around, we definitely want to minimize it as much as we can. Yeah, yeah. One of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Rose, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Redbud, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, uh, our website is redbudadvisors.com. Uh, my email is rose at redbudadvisors.com. And um, I'll be happy to answer any questions or you know, schedule a Zoom call. Excellent. I'll make sure that your information is in the show notes. People can get that and contact you. Rose, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thanks so much, Bruce. That's it for this episode of Thinking Outside the Bud. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.